Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh. We are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, SportsPredictor.com. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, on Twitter at PredictorHQ. On tonight's episode, our guest is John Lindheimer, the sportsbook manager over at Harrods Hoosier Park in Anderson, Indiana, which is not too far over from Indianapolis. John, thank you for joining us this evening. And thank you for inviting me, Al. I'm uh, happy to be with you. All right. So, read a, read a recent article on you, said that you were born to work in the sportsbook industry. I wish we all had those same dreams. Uh, give us a glimpse of your early days leading up to this and how this all became a reality. Well, absolutely. This uh, this comes just uh, it natural to me. I can't explain it. It's just one of those things where when you're meant to do something, you just feel it. And I guess it all started when I was about uh, 12 or 13. And my grandfather, I grew up in Pittsburgh and, and my grandfather used to uh, make we used to bet on pirate games with each other, a dollar here and a dollar there. And I kind of Got me interested, and he threw in some odds there. I started learning what 13 to 10 was and all that good stuff. And then uh, and then in high school, I might have put out a, a football pool. And then uh, – but that uh, – after that, I ended up um, uh, fooling around with gambling when I was up at college, doing a little booking, doing a little betting on the side. And then uh, I joined the Air Force. And, oh, wow. Uh, yes, sir. And I got stationed – at Nellis out in Las Vegas by chance. And after I completed my enlistment, I stayed in Vegas and I, I started working in the sports books out there. And uh, in time off, it was a lot of fun to hang out in the sports books when I was a, a service member. And so naturally, uh, when I got out, I, I sought employment in a couple of the places. Uh, the first place I worked at was Sam's Town. And then I went from Samstown to Palace Station, and then also uh, back then, this was in the late 80s, and I started uh, to know some of the uh, runners in town that would work with the syndicates, uh, syndicates and, I, and I got recruited uh, to work with these guys. So then I started working uh, uh, for these groups that would send me around with uh, – with a bunch of cash and a beeper and they tell me what to bet and I, and I get it. I fill these orders, but, uh, I always paid attention to the patterns that, uh, that, that in, in their bets and the types of bets that they made and, uh, and the way the sports books reacted when these bets came in. And, uh, it, it really, uh, really taught me a lot. And then, uh, the, particular gentleman that I work with, uh, he closed his business and I ended up working for Calneva up in Reno. And, uh, I worked with, um, briefly, uh, up there with, with Chris Andrews and, uh, he's, he's one of the legends in the industry. And then up in Reno, I met some guys and then, uh, I ended up going down to Costa Rica. I get in, got invited to work down there and I was actually down there for 10 years working in the sports books down there. And that uh, really sharpened me up and uh, got, learned how to keep track of these lines. You'd be on the phone and we'd have four different sports going and, and we'd have my, my, our boss would just 
yell at changes and 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 I, I learned how to keep track of all these changes while I'm on the phone with somebody and make sure we don't get uh, double or triple popped uh, ha- having guys bet the same line when these moves came in and I learned uh, learned learned what what a move about moves and, and and when big bets came in that weren't moves and how those were uh, treated and uh, I, I really learned that it's uh, more important who's making the bet as opposed to how much the bet was. I mean, I've seen us move NFL games off of like $20,000 bets and other guys will call in and bet a hundred thousand on it and they don't even move the line. And, um, and then after that, um, I moved back to the States early, uh, early, uh, 2000s and I actually professionally gambled for, uh, almost, uh, through the end of the, the decade and uh, and then I ended up getting married and decided to go a different route. And I was working in the uh, school system, actually, when PAPSA was overturned. And that opened uh, some some new opportunities for me. And my um, strange skill skill set bore some uh, uh, unusual fruit at that point. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, it became in demand. So. I was happy to uh, get back in the industry and, and very uh, fortunate that Harris Gulf Coast uh, and, and Robert Portwood down there gave me the uh, opportunity to work with them. And I was applying for supervisor and, and manager positions and uh, wasn't having much luck uh, because they kind of don't like that offshore stuff too much. It, it seems. And but um, but Robert recognize my talent and uh he and i i thought i was ready to manage a joint but i i actually wasn't and and i i can tell you that i i, I was great as su- supervising down there but i still needed to uh learn the ways of um brick and mortar sports book in this day and age and i learned so much under under robert it it it, it, it i could fill volumes with it and i was so fortunate to work with him and then when Indiana got uh, sports gambling up here, um, I, I was tapped to be the sports book manager at Harris Hoosier Park by Rick Moore, and, and uh, I'll tell you, it's just been uh, it's just been fantastic uh, uh, ever since I, I came up here in, in, in uh, late July. It's just been a blast. So that's interesting, right? So you, you're a guy who's been in the Air Force, and then you know you, you said that you also. You dealt with gambling, then you went back into the school system. How hard is that to go from like a betting lifestyle to then you know going into a school job? You know, like how do you how do you manage that? Did you still do sports betting at the same time? It's extremely difficult. It's like, it's, did you ever play baseball? I sure did. It's like uh, it's like you're slugging with those aluminum bats, and now all of a sudden <laughs> you hit, you got to learn to hit with the wood bat. And, right. uh, and I did that too, literally. I played uh, for over a dozen years in senior baseball leagues. But uh, that, but uh, that being said, uh, it's it was extremely difficult because I'll tell you what, um, you could tell I spent a lot of a lot of time in the gambling industry, and I was down in Costa Rica doing my thing down there, and uh, I come up and 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 I was fooling around with it for for the better part of 20 years. And then when you come and try to do a normal job, uh, you have to start over, you know, you're kind of at square one in a way where 
where your peers have already been working at in that industry or at a firm for 10 or 20 years. And, and yeah, it was difficult, but I was, uh, I was doing my thing and, uh, 60 was the new 40 <laughs> when they passed. Paps, I, I'll tell you what, when I passed Paps, I was working at Vieira high school as an instructional assistant for special needs kids. And I was also coaching the boys tennis team. And on the weekends I did security and I also, taught tennis to uh, four to 10 year olds for the, the city of Palm Bay. And uh, was just doing my thing. And, 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 uh, and, but, but that be, that all that being said, uh, when, when this opportunity came, came up to get back in the sports book industry, I knew that this was something too good to pass. And I was kind of reluctant in the beginning. I wasn't even looking for, uh, for any openings or anything in it. And then my wife kept, kept, forwarding these uh these these job notices for sportsbook supervisor and sportsbook manager and and she knew i needed to get into this so and i have a a young daughter she's seven year old and and uh i want to give the best life i can to my wife and daughter and uh right now the sportsbook industry is that vehicle indeed indeed so not only uh, again you know you've done all this different stuff but again finally everything's come back full circle to the betting industry. And uh, there's a contest out there, that, that same article that I was referring to in the beginning, uh, called Gaming Today's Bookies Battle. And, uh, you know, you're doing pretty damn well in that. Well over 500 uh, that I saw going into week 10, or after week 10. Um, let's talk about your approach to betting. What, what do you do that's different as opposed to the masses? Well, that contest, first of all, uh, you have to answer, you have to figure out what's going to win the contest. That contest, uh, if, if, if you can finish one or two games above 500 uh, on the average every week, you're going to be right there at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the beauty of that contest is that it's point spreads on every game as opposed to just picking the winners. Because these contests where you're just picking the winners, uh, there's so many uh, big favorites and really anything – over four points, uh, um, it's really dangerous to pick a, a dog to win straight up in those anyway. So it comes down it, – it's just harder to make up ground. It comes down to four or five games each week that are anywhere from pick them to three. And uh, But th this with the point spread, it, it, you can have – somebody can win that thing right now that's only at 500 as we speak. All they have to do is string together a few uh, 10 and four weeks and you'd be right there. Wow. So, uh, the first thing I do – is uh, I check the status of uh, any any quarterbacks. Look for any quarterback injuries because uh, I don't want to be betting on a team with a second stringer in there. And um, and then at that at that point, uh, after checking the injury status of the QBs, I I I, I look at the games and I pick low hanging fruit first. I see where the line moves have come in, and if I can get value on the spread, uh, then that's the first thing I pick off. And then after that, I look at which games are involving uh, threes and sevens. And if there's a game that's three on the uh, consensus line and the contest has a two and a half, I'll automatically take the favorite. If it's three and a half, I'll automatically take the dog because you're getting a mathematical edge that way. And I do the same with the sevens. I'll go, if a game's seven, I'll lay six and a half or I'll take seven and a half in the contest and I won't even think about it. And, and um, any games that are left over at that point, I'll go and compare it to uh, to what the what the actual line is and what way the juice is shaded 
for instance, if they have a four and a half and I go and I see Pinnacle has four and a half, the dog minus 120, then uh, I'll take the underdog plus the four and a half. If the favor, if there's upward pressure and it looks like it's going to go to five or five and a half, then I'll lay it to get a mathematical edge that way. And those contests where you're picking, uh, where you're going against the spread, you're supposed to get 50 percent just just by just by taking these games by chance. So if you can get a mathematical edge on the spread, it's gonna it, it should put you over 50 percent. And uh, that, that's the strategy that I'm using with it right now. So you're talking more numbers, right? As opposed, I mean, obviously you talk about the, the quarterbacks and, you know, what kind of situation they're in going into a game. Um, it seems more like you're more of a numbers guy than a teams guy per se. Uh, is that how we should all be looking at it? Or do you just have something personally on that where you see the advantage in that, whereas the everyday better might not? That's the only way that you can win. Is by getting by getting the numbers. I've seen very few people's opinion that's able to overcome uh, the, the house edge that eleven to ten juice. And the only way I've ever seen to consistently beat it is by getting a mathematical edge in in the numbers that you bet. And uh, I, I see a lot of stuff out there. Uh, you know, I saw an article last night. 52.4% is the most magic number in sports gambling because that's what you need to pick. Yeah, I saw that same article. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Right, but that that's just giving hope to people that somehow uh, just a little bit of insight is going to push them over the, the 50% mark and they're going to be able to beat it. And, and then you see a lot of trends. They'll come, they'll come out with these trends. And again, that's just something that's been made up to give uh, the average better hope that they can beat this thing without getting a mathematical edge. And in the long run, they're not going to be able to do it. I've seen that now the, the secret to gambling, the formula to, to gambling and, and, and making a live at it, living at it actually is edge times volume. You have to get the edge and everything you're doing, a mathematical edge, and you got to get, you got to bet enough money on it. And when I was doing this professionally, I was working at about 0.75% to 1% edge my way. And, and that means every, every dollar I bet, I get three quarters of a penny back or, or, or a dollar and a cent back for every dollar I bet. And then you bet 30,000 or 50,000 a day. And it kind of works out. You make a living at it because then that comes out to, you know, three or four or five hundred a day. And, 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 you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, to make six figures, uh, which I pay taxes on, incidentally. So <laughs> just in case you're wondering. Incidentally, and, uh, unfortunately, whatever word you want to use. That's right. And uh, that and, and, and now that we know that, um, what is an edge? That's the question. And uh, 11 to 10, 11 to 10 is tough enough to beat. And uh, but there's other there, there's places that you could bet with reduced juice that get it down to less than 11 to 10. And um, it's easier when you're laying 11 to 10. It's harder to tell if you have the edge or not. Basically, in basketball on a side to have an edge, you're going to need to beat the closing number 
by point or point and a half, a points marginal. If you can beat it by a point and a half, you got the edge. Totals, now that you got higher NBA totals these days, you're going to have to beat the uh, closing NBA total by about three points to make sure you have the edge. I've seen some guys that are smart enough to get the edge some of the time, but they do marginal stuff that wipes out their edge. And other guys are, are smart enough to get the edge, but they just don't bet enough on it. But um, I will tell you this. If you think you have the edge and you don't, you're going to get punished. And, and, and that's for sure. So everything that you're telling me here with the mathematics aspect of it, that just seems like Harris dream to have you, you know, working for them. So how do you take all of these things that you know and apply it to the job that you currently have right now? Well, I, I know how the betters think. I know how recreational betters think because I used to be one. And I know how the wise guys think because I am one. And, and that helps me, uh, helps, it helps me protect the house because I know where, we're gonna, where they're going to try to hit us. And tonight, I mean, I can just see these games, and I, I know I know where the money's coming in. You know, the Ravens look great uh, lately, and, and, and the Rams haven't looked so hot. And, and so we're just getting – I'm watching my phone, watching the text of the bets we're getting, and we're just hitting pounder with Ravens action. Although I think the Rams getting that three-and-a-half as, uh, as a home dog is going to be the side tonight. But um, you can just look at these uh, at these games and see what's going to happen. Um like Thanksgiving, that's that's set up for. Uh, I'll tell you what. I look at that schedule for Thanksgiving. It's set up for a bloodbath. I could tell you right now, we're going to need the Bills to cover or the Falcons to cover as uh, as as underdogs, or uh, it's going to be a huge public day. And uh, the uh, and, and last week actually was was a huge uh, win for the public. Indiana sportsbooks had the first losing week since this thing opened. And we had all those uh, road favorites come in four and zero, and then and then that Monday night was was just a, a joke with uh, the Chiefs matched up against the Chargers and just the Chiefs. Uh, that that game opened three and a half, went up to six, and uh, in fact there was several games that moved three uh, two and a half to three and a half points, and it was pretty disturbing that we've had such big line moves in the NFL without any injuries uh, this late in the year. I, I think the odds makers just had an off week. I really do. Cause they were, they were putting up games that there was just no hope of two way action. These, these numbers were just a train wreck and, uh, and the public got lucky and they, they covered every one of them. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I've, I've often said, you know, when these lines come out, they're trying to tell you the story uh, of what's actually going to happen, you know, and, and you could see that a lot of times. And, uh, you know, hopefully for your guys' sakes, we see a nice uh, nice cover out there on Thanksgiving. But, again, these are some pretty piss-poor matchups that we're about to see. So. Yeah. yeah, they just spell favorite, and it's, it, it's you know, and everybody will be we, – we're going to need one of them actually to win on the floor – win on the field, preferably to take down all these money line parlays. But uh, – yeah, I think the bookmakers, they had such a good two uh, two months. I think they got a little cocky, and they put numbers out last week that they knew they were only going to get one-way action on, and they thought somehow they were they were going to be uh, sharper than everybody else and just get the money, and it, and it didn't work. Kind of like that Super Bowl last year when all that Patriot money 
was flooding in and they wouldn't go to three to get Rams action and balance a little bit of it out. And, uh, cause they thought, cause, cause they knew the wise guys were taking Rams plus three and they wanted to have that side and they got beat over the head with it. So before we get to, you know, I know in the notes I had you know, the questions in order there, but you touched on something there with, uh, you know, obviously Indiana just recently got sports betting legalized. Uh, kind of interested in how the sports books work, knowing the, the hometown bias, right? So I'm here in Jersey. Obviously, a lot of different, you know, lines will come in with like Giants, Jets, you know, more that look more favorable to the better. But how exactly does that work since Indiana is such a new state and you probably got a lot of people that are betting for the first time in their life? How do you, you know, alter a line on like a Colts game or a Pacers game or a Notre Dame or a Hoosiers game, something like that? Uh, yes, sir. When when gambling first got when, when Paps got overturned, that was the question. They they were going to open up in New Jersey first, and they're thinking, "Wow, we're going to be so close to New York. Uh, what do we do with all this uh, New York action that's going to come in on these local teams?" And yes, in Indiana here, we have uh, strong support. For local teams, they love betting on the indie teams, and and we got uh, Illinois. They don't have uh, gambling up there in Illinois, so they're coming to Indiana across the border there and betting. Right, yeah. They're they're betting heavily. If I told you some of these figures, you wouldn't believe it. How heavy they get on these Bears games up there, and then you even get a little Cincinnati action coming over, and for what that's worth. But um, and they support <laughs> and they support the. Uh, the, the college teams too. Uh, now, how do you handle that on the line? You just take it. I was surprised at the confusion. They're like, "Well, what do we do? What do we do?" And in, in down in Mississippi, we got a lot of Saints action because everybody was coming over from New Orleans, an hour, hour and a half away. All that Saints money. What do you do? You just take it. You do not adjust that line. If the right line is seven on a game. And you know you're going to get uh, favorite action because uh, the, that's the, the local team is, is a seven-point favorite. So you can't put up minus eight there because um, for several reasons. All you're doing by going off what what this, the consensus number is, all you're doing is giving an opportunity for wise guys to get value in the number. All you're doing is padding – padding sharp action, uh, you're padding their wallet. The recreational bettors, they're going to bet their team, whether it's minus seven, minus eight, minus nine. I get it, but you know what? You're going to get their money in the long run anyway. You're going to get recreational action in the long run and anyway, and you're going to have a, a healthy hold on that. So there's no reason to fleece them on the line and make them lay eight or nine when, they could, when, when the right number is seven because uh, all you're doing is just burning them out faster. And like I said, the only customers that react to line movements are the sharp action. A sharp guy, if a game's seven everywhere, a sharp in NFL, a sharp guy is going to either look for a minus six or a plus eight. And uh, the recreational gambler simply um, uh, won't react to it. And uh, it's kind of like um, high value customers and low value customers. In, uh, in in economics and your uh, your high value customers they don't care what price they're paying and you're going to sell to them at retail the low value customers uh, they want a deal and the way you you, you deal with the, the 
and, and the way businesses deal to low value customers is offering coupons and stuff like that. It's kind of price discrimination. But um, again, the only ones uh, you're helping out are, are the sharp money by fooling around with the spreads like that. Interesting. So how how is business going there in Indiana? Again, I know it's been very, you know, very new for the state there. But how do you guys see uh, the business in your state winding up against, you know, say like the Nevadas, New Jersey's, Pennsylvania's? I know that you mentioned Illinois briefly, but they're going to be legal at some point. So is there more of a push to, to get this Illinois money now while you can? Or is it like, all right, we're just going to have our, our business coming in either way? Well, we're going to have the business coming in either way. Uh, this um, the sports gambling here has exceeded everyone's expectations, except mine, actually. <laughs> and, uh, because I, I, I knew it was going to be a home run here. Yeah. And it's just, um, it has changed the way sports fans in Indiana spend their time and their discretionary income right now. And uh, you got some wives and girlfriends aren't so thrilled about it, but uh, that, I, I got to find the understanding ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always tell people when they make a score, just uh, throw, throw a little bit to, to your better half and that'll keep them happy. Very true. Yep. I've heard that. And, and there's, and we have a lot of female guests that are enjoying uh, sports gambling here. And, and some of them bet with both hands and it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun to see. And, and I'm seeing a lot of couples spending the afternoon in the sports book, uh, doing their thing too. So it's, um, it, the, the Hoosier state is going to, is going to always ha- uh, be a strong sports gambling state. And, uh, we're not relying at all on any of this, uh, action coming from the other states, although it is beefing the numbers up pretty good. Yeah. It just recently posted a $91 million month, which is uh, quite respectable. Wow, nice. Yeah, and again, too, I'm thinking, like, obviously, NFL is king in the United States. You know, you're always going to – you're going to have somebody putting some type of wager down on football games. But I think for the benefit of you guys, you know, being in Indiana, such a heavy basketball state – I mean, March Madness is going to do fantastic as well. I know Vegas, I think it was last March, they had, I think, their best month ever during March Madness. Yes, sir. In fact, I had a, a guest inquiring, uh, wanting to reserve a dozen seats for March Madness coming up. So uh, we're, we're, we're planning for that already, and we're going to have a, a fantastic event. And I know when we were in Mississippi, it was just uh, it was just insane. The, the, the spike in volume was just amazing. And the energy, and, and, and it's about, you know, we're talking about a, a lot of numbers and dollars and everything, but at the end of the day, it's, it's about entertainment, and uh, it's, uh, it's just so, so, such a thrill to be in this atmosphere and, and, and being a part of this. Uh, I, can't, I can't tell you. Right. Uh, our guest today, John Lindheimer, the sportsbook manager over at Harris Hoosier Park in Anderson, Indiana, not too far from uh, Indianapolis down there. Uh, I, one of the questions I wanted to get to, I, I passed over it in, uh, in favor of the Indiana stuff, but I know being a sportsbook manager is not a nine to five gig. So I, I guess kind of what, what is your day like and what's, what's the one thing that would surprise the public about having that role? Well, actually, being a sportsbook manager, it, it can be like a nine to five gig sometimes. Like during the week, it, 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 uh, actually approaches a typical nine to five gig. Um, I have my meetings 
during uh, during the week and during the day. So I'll open up in the day. I'll just come in and come in the shop, get there around 10, get all the writers set, open up a little bit before 11 and just take bets all day and go to meetings, do my thing. And then I'm, I'm home about six o'clock. But then on the weekends, what I'm sorry, what was that? I know I said, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it, it is cool. I'll tell you what's not a nine to five gig: professionally gambling. <laughs> that 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 you have to put ten to twelve hours a day, so you don't have to work. And uh, that that is definitely a single man's game. But um, no, this has uh, been fantastic. Um, my sportsbook manager duties and and the uh, routine allows a nice balance between professional and family life. And and I typically take. Uh, um, I get Tuesdays and Mondays off usually, and those are the, the slower days. And um, I still am in touch with the book all day long on what's going on there. But but again, it's not even it's not even like work to me. It's just uh, I'd be doing it anyway, even if they weren't paying me. So um, it's a uh, it's just a blast, and uh, I'm I'm always keeping apprised of everything that's going on there. And it's. Um, it's just a wonderful lifestyle, and on the weekends, it's uh, that's uh, when all the action happens, and it starts early. And I'll put in ten hour, eleven hour days, sometimes twelve on the weekends, but it's nothing crazy. Okay, all right. Uh, last but not least, I always ask this to our our bookmaking uh, friends who come on the podcast here, but I know you got a sports book over there. But if you mm. could create the perfect sports book, what would that look like, and who would be your spokesperson? Well, geez, I guess um, I guess I'd be the spokesperson, (laughs) sports book. (laughs) But uh, well, um, uh, Harris is part of the uh, Caesars umbrella of books, Mm -hmm. and one of the great things we do is we offer uh, fair pricing and offer value to the guests. And first of all, uh, I would want a sports book that offered fair odds that don't fleece the guests and insult. The, uh, the sports gambler's intelligence, like all of these apps are doing here. We have these apps out in Indiana right now, and you go on there, and they're high vig, very high juice offerings, and, and especially the uh, live betting. Yep. And, uh, I just I, I just think it's unnecessary. They, they Instead of uh, offering value to the customer and passing on some of the savings that they have from the economies of skill that they have from – from the mobile betting platforms, they choose this uh, European style of high vig, um, lower handle uh, bookmaking. Where I, I mean, I, I went on there to see what one of these apps had on Game Four of the uh, Washington Nationals uh, when they played St. Louis, okay. and we had we we had Nationals minus one sixty two. The uh, St. Louis was getting one fifty two, ten cent line. And I go on there, and and one of the most popular apps had minus 175 on the favorite, and plus 140 on the underdog, a 35 cent line. And I I just this is pre before the game starts. This is pre match, and I was just you know wow. Either way you bet that you're getting the worst number in the solar system, and I just can't believe uh, that they're offering that 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 type of uh, stuff out there. So uh, and and but that. Uh, but I would say fair odds and a state-of-the-art uh, viewing, like uh, much like we have there. We have we have sofa chairs that were uh, 
that are uh, just just amazing out there. Um, about uh, four dozen of them. Can't can't make them too comfy. You don't want people sleeping there. Boy, I tell you, they just melt in them. <laughs> I, I, you can't tell where their body stops and, and the sofa starts. But uh, also, I think it's important in this day and age for sports books to be a little bit looser with um, food and beverage comps. Yep. And uh, so, and and I uh, I love comping our our regular guests a buffet here and there, um, even when they don't ask for it. And, uh, because uh, I just want them to know how valued they are. And, uh, I know when I used to go and hang out in a sports book and, and a guy, guy would come up and comp me, I, I know how good that made me feel. Sure. And, uh, it, and it's about making the, the, the guests feel valued and, uh, and, and, and welcome in the place and having the friendly, Guest service, I, that that's so 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 important. Having uh, having writers that are friendly and knowledgeable and accurate. There's nothing worse than you know getting a ticket that's miswritten and you don't notice till after the game goes off, and then you know you you you, you thought you had uh, you thought you had the, the the Patriots instead you got the Giants on there. You know what I'm saying? But uh, that's no fun. But having um, Having friendly writers is, is, is we really put, stress that a lot, and uh, and I I think I have the best staff in the state. I'm I'm so happy with the job everybody's doing there. And I'll tell you what, uh, they came so far because most of the writers we have, uh, they didn't even know what plus seven meant when they were hired, but they were hired because of their guest uh, service skills, sure. and uh, and and that's truly uh, the most important part of it. Well, I tell you what, the Lindheimer Sportsbook sounds like the place to be. So whenever whenever that gets going, we'll be there for sure. All right, folks. Uh, again, our guest today, John Lindheimer, Sportsbook Manager over at Harris Rouge Park in Anderson, Indiana. Uh, you, got a, you got a Twitter handle or do you uh, not dabble on the social media circuit? I'm not Twitter handling yet, uh, although I'm, I'm on LinkedIn under John Lindheimer. All right. Uh, ab- absolutely anybody can uh, reach me right there very cool or if they want to send their personal uh you know mail over there to the horse the harris hoosier park you know you know where to you know where to send it folks and thank you so much for inviting me on your show today al i had a blast absolutely love to have you back and again folks uh if you want to go back to sports predictor you can do so sportspredictor.com is where you find uh john's podcast and of course all the other great guests that we had in the past uh, you go there, you can find uh, picks packages from all sorts of professional bettors sharing their best plays. You can find us on Twitter at PredictorHQ and, of course, the website, sportspredictor.com. Big thanks to John on this episode as well, and we'll see you very soon with our Thanksgiving Day special. Peace.